Hallelujah. Amen. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. We are going to read two passages. Numbers chapter 14. And we are going to read Genesis 11. Numbers chapter 14, 1 to 10. The Bible says that so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in, the, in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said, to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the, all the congregation of the con before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, who were among those who had spied the land, tore their clothes. And they all spoke, they spoke to all the congregation and the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us to this land and give us give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, their protection is, has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Hallelujah. And all the congregation set to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the people of Israel. Hallelujah. Genesis 11, 31 and 32. The Bible says that then Terah took his son Abram, Abram and his grandson Lot and the, the son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them. He went out with them from heir of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Hallelujah. They, so that the days of Terah were 255 years, and Terah died in Haran. Hallelujah. Genesis 12, 1 to 5, it says that now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of the, the country, your country from the family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you a great, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse them who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and he took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, 
and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan, so they came to the land of Canaan. I want you to look, examine with me the B part of the first uh, Genesis 11, the B part of it. Um, it says that, so Terah took his son and his, his grandson and his daughter-in-law to, from the heir of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. The destination was where? Canaan. Canaan. And what happened? They settled in Haran, which is not Canaan. It's on the way to Canaan. The vision that they had was to go all the way to complete the journey from where they were to Canaan. But when they got it halfway through, they were distracted. The vision was killed. They were halted. Their movement was halted at Haran. And the Bible says, and in Haran, Terah died. He stayed in a place that was not his vision and died there. And the Bible says that, and the Lord, you see, whatever God tells you, he means what he says. The callings and the giftings of God is without repentance. Where God wanted the family to go was not Haran. It was supposed to be Canaan. So when they had settled in Haran, he came back again in chapter 12. And he said to Abraham, now go. The vision continues. The vision is not Haran, it's Canaan. So they got to Canaan as God had directed. See, God doesn't give us a vision for the sake of vision. He means what he wants to do with us. I said at the beginning uh, that vision is a mental picture of a future end. What God wants you to do in the future. What God wants. How many have a vision? You have a vision. You have a dream. You know, exactly uh, how many years ago, uh, Reverend uh, Luther King said, I have a dream. How many years did he say? I think it's 20, 16 years or something. 60 years. It was, it was in the news yesterday that today is exactly, I think, 60 years. Somebody checked for me. 1963. So exactly, check how many years. And he said, I have a dream. He never saw that dream or realized that dream. But guess what? The people of America, his kind, are living that dream. Amen. He fought for the dream. He worked towards the dream. He was beaten he was pushed. He was actually assassinated. But the dream came to pass. Amen. And so everybody is given a dream for a reason. God gives us a dream. I don't know why the guy was not a president. He was not a, cabinet, a senate, uh, what do you call it? Senator. He was not a governor. As to why he decided to take, he was not a congressman. As to why he, he was just only a reverend minister. 
as to why he took upon himself an issue that had nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with Christianity, but all to do with politics and all to do with the liberation of the black man. He took it on and he fought because he had a vision. He said, I have a dream that the white children and the black children will play together. At the time when he was speaking this vision, it looked ridiculous. It didn't look like something that could ever happen. In fact, I don't know whether you saw it yesterday on CNN. They were showing the secret meeting that he had with the president at the time. And when they had the meeting, the president agreed. But when he went into the White House, he said no. <laughs> and he sent police to arrest them and beat them and use dogs to chase them. After he had met them secretly and told them, yes, okay, I'm with you, I agree with you. Hallelujah. You see, it's, life is like that. You, life is tough. Are you with me? Nobody is going to give you what you have envisioned easily. Nobody is going to give it to you on a silver platter. You have to fight. You have to work for it. Hallelujah. We said some things about vision. Said that vision is something that motivates, isn't it? How many remember? Let's rehearse it very quickly because it's our last day on vision. So I want us to rehearse it quickly. We said vision is, it gives direction, it contradicts your reality, it evokes passion and strong emotions, it motivates, it also brings priorities, it prioritizes your time. Somebody who hasn't got any vision will waste their time. How many remember some people in school, when you were in school with them, they didn't have any vision, so they wasted their time. They were always causing noise, causing commotion everywhere, wasting their time, using their strength for the wrong things. When you don't have vision. I remember one of my head teachers said that instead of going to study for your O levels, you are in the school park running to break useless records. <laughs> because the records that they were breaking was 100 meters, 16 seconds. <laughs> this breaking useless records. I never achieved much. There were some people who just wasted everything, wasted the opportunity they had to study. Number six, quickly. Disciplines your actions and behavior. When you have a vision, you don't have time to waste. You know every minute counts. How many believe that every minute counts? Yeah, yeah. Every minute of your life counts. You cannot live a life anyhow. The next one we talked about was that vision is a source of self-control. It's a, it's a disciplining tool. Amen. Vision will discipline you. I know people who take drugs, but because they are in the public light and they are doing something very meaningful, they don't allow the drugs to get the better of them. 
There are others who also take drugs, and because they don't have any plan, any vision, the drugs is just taking over their lives. So even in a bad thing, because they have a vision, they control it a little. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Number eight. Protects you from t- total failure and falling. Because when you fall, because you have a vision, you get up. We saw that lady, that athlete, remember? Her son. She fell, but she had a vision of winning three gold medals. So she didn't allow the setback to be her end. Other, another lady fell with her at the same time, but that lady couldn't do much on the race. But with her, she was not going to allow that falling to make her finish. She made sure she overtook everybody, recovered everything, and won the gold medal. Hallelujah. So vision protects you from failure. So I pray that you will take care of your vision. I say I pray that you take care of your vision. A lot of people, we have a vision, but that vision is stolen by life. Amen. Number nine. The fulfillment of a vision is the key to happiness. When you fulfill your vision, see, when you fulfill vision, you are happy. There are some people, they are not rich, but they are happy because the vision they set out to do, they are are living it. And that makes them content with life. Hallelujah. It's not money. Some people have money and they are not happy. But there are some people, they don't have money, but because they have fulfilled vision, they are just excited. They wake up happy. They wake up revitalized because they know that they are living a vision. Amen. You wonder why some people give their lives to charity. Their whole life is about charity, about helping people. That's all they do. It's all about charity. Others who work for money, work for money, work for money, they get the whole money they are looking for and still not be happy. Hallelujah. Number 10, quickly. The clearer the vision, the stronger the passion. The clearer the vision, the stronger the passion. Number 11, vision confronts your present realities. Amen. Vision will confront your present reality. So if it's true you are broke now. It's true that you haven't paid your rent and the landlord is threatening to eject you. But you have a vision of owning a, an estate one day. And when your vision confronts your reality, you say that, mm, I cannot sit in this room and worry about landlord. I have to go out there, make something happen. Because I need some estates to build. Amen. Number 12. Vision conceives new opportunities. Vision conceives new opportunities. Number 13. Vision will connect you to your, the source or resources around you. Amen. When you have a vision, money will find you. When you have a vision, help will find you. When you have a vision, your helpers will gather around. 
The resources will find their way to you just because you have a vision. I wonder how all America, black America, gathered around this Montgomery preacher. Some were people who didn't believe in, in God. They were, what do you call it, uh, Malcolm X's people. But they all rallied around this man because they saw the vision he had. And when you have a vision, resources, help, helpers will find you. Your vision, helpers will find you. Your, the money will find you. So don't wait for money. Don't look for money. Look for vision. Did you hear what I said? Don't look for money. Look for what? When you have a vision, money will find you. Hallelujah. And I gave an example. When we came to this, this building, we didn't have less than 12 members. But the vision was to buy this building. Obviously, we didn't have the money. The money they were looking for, we didn't even have a, a, a 15th of it. We didn't have. But the vision, I remember we were driving past here. And that was the first time I ever drove on this land, on this, on this street. We are driving past here. And I heard clearly the Lord saying that this is your church building. That was it. All I had in my, and I was driving with my wife. When I had it clearly as we passed, and I didn't tell her. I drove, it was around 9 p.m. I drove straight home. Then at midnight, 12 o'clock, I left my house. At the time, the, my house was like about two miles away from here. And I walked, it was the middle of winter, very cold. I walked from my home to this place alone with my big overcoat and a little bottle of oil hidden inside the coat. And then I came here in the middle of the night and the, the door there and I poured the oil there and I prayed that, Lord, I have heard your voice. I have seen our building. And I claim it in the name of Jesus. Then I walked to the front. And then I poured some more oil here. And I walked on the, on, the, on the oil. And I said that your word says that everywhere the soul of our foot shall tread upon. You have given us that land. So I claim it in the name of Jesus. Then after that I walked home. It wasn't easy. But we own this building. Are you understanding what I'm saying? As to how money found us, help found us, grace found us, it was not because we are clever, it's not because we are strong, it's not because we are wise, but because there was a vision. And we're determined to see that vision come to pass. Hallelujah. Me, I'm a vision person, I'm a dreamer. There are some people who don't dream, they are too real. How many are like that? I, I always say that I am like a giraffe. I have a very long neck, so I see far. Because I'm always dreaming. I'm always dreaming. I'll go and see a building and say, oh, I'm, I'm buying it. Oh, I don't have one pound in my pocket. <laughs> but like joke, like play, I'll get it. Hallelujah. 
So I want us to all become dreamers and people with vision. People who don't joke. Hallelujah. Let's finish it quickly. What? 13. Vision will enable you conserve your energy. Conserve your energy. You will not run aimlessly. You will not fight like the one who is beating the air. It's not every fight you fight. You know when they have a boxer that they want to train to become a world champion, they pick and choose the battle that the boxer will fight. The fact that he's a boxer, they don't bring against anybody. Because there are some people, they are in the, an impediment. This person, if you push him before this guy, at this time of his experience in life, he is not capable of fighting this person. So let us step aside and fight some people that you can beat easily. As you gain experience, one day you will come and fight him, but this is not the time. So you have a good manager who will just pick and choose different fighters. Different fighters. You remember Anthony Joshua? One day he got careless and they brought somebody because the person he was supposed to fight pulled out. They said, oh, just bring this guy. He doesn't look like he can do much. And that was the time he got a shock. He had a setback because they got careless. They didn't conserve their energy. So this guy can beat him just. He's a gentleman. Before they realize, hey. So they had to go back and go and find, reorganize themselves and come and take him out. After that, they decided that they won't just fight anybody. The next one, they said they should go and fight that British guy. I said, no, 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 it's not time yet. Fight somebody else. The, uh, Fury, isn't it? Don't fight Fury now. Fight somebody else. The time will come that you take him out. But this is not the time. When you have a vision, you are very, very, very circumspect with what you do. Hallelujah. The next thing that I want, uh, we talked about was that even though all these things are great things to have as a, vision, a visionary, there are something called vision killers. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I'm come that you may have what? Life and have it what? More abundantly. Amen. There's another scripture that I want you to look at. In uh, Matthew, Matthew 20. Pastor Sam, stop it. I don't know why, why he's, he's trying to spoil my, my message. <laughs> Pastor Gloria and Pastor Sam, can you go to the back? Matthew 24, 43. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time the, of night the thief was coming, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken 
into. Hallelujah. If he had known, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Beware of vision killers. Last week, we started talking about vision killers. How many remember? The first vision killer was what? Your family. Amen. Your family. How many have had some negative comments about you? Why do you want to do this? And what makes you think you can do it? You are just wasting your energy. Joseph said he dreamt that the sun and the moon and the stars were worshipping him. And his, even his father said that, shall, we, shall, shall I and your mother come and worship with your brothers? Are you serious? Bible says that his brothers hated him because of the vision he had. Because of the dreams that he had. Amen. So your family, it's not everything you share. I said to you last week that there is Herod who is waiting to kill the baby Jesus. And there are the wise men who want to come and worship the baby Jesus. You have to know when to speak to the wise man and avoid Herod. Are you with me? Because Herod is about killing the vision. His plan is to kill the vision. The wise men, they are about bringing gifts. Gold, frankincense, and men to come and help raise the child. So you need to know, even in your own close-knit family, there are some people who are just going to say things that will kill your vision. Number two, quickly. Your friends and close associates. Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said that flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. But my father himself, the next voice that Peter ushered was that you must not go to the cross. Far be it from you that you should go and die. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. See, Jesus knew when Satan was speaking through Peter and when God was speaking through Peter. How many of us know when your best friend is speaking by the voice of God and how, when your best friend is speaking by the voice of Satan? Yeah. Are you able to distinguish between the two? Are you able to find out that this one is God's voice, but this one is not God's voice? Yeah. Sarah. He gave advice. Take this girl. What's her name? Hagar. To be, and, and so that we can have a child. That was a bad advice. Then Sarah came back again. Send this woman away. The first advice was bad. Now you are giving this advice. Why should I take it? No. But then God appeared and said, that, listen to your wife. This time, send her away. So you have to know when to listen and when not to listen. It's not every time you listen to your wife. And it's not every time you don't listen to your wife. Oh, you didn't like my message. Oh, you don't like my message. <laughs> Somebody say, boo. Boo. <laughs> 
when you go to uh, Bradford, you can go and do boo there. Here, we don't do boo here. The next boo, you are going out. I said, it's not every time you must listen to your wife. It's not every time. So your wife now controls everything. When she smiles, then it means you are doing well. When she frowns, then you stop. My wife has the technology. Hey, no. Don't do that. Number three, quickly. Ignore them, number three. Your present boss or those who have authority over you. Listen to your boss sometimes, but don't listen to them sometimes. Hallelujah. Number four, quickly. Some people are trying to preach the message for me. (laughs) Your fears. How many are afraid of some things? Sometimes you want to do something, but you're afraid. When, when Jeremiah was called, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. He said, oh Lord, I can't speak. Public speaking is not my strong strength. I can't do it. I can't stand in front of people. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Me, I'm shy. I can't do it. Some people have good voices in this room, but they will not sing in the choir because they are shy. Because they don't think that they can stand in front of people. But listen, when you confront your fears, can somebody take this woman out from here? Ross, come and take her out, please. Okay, let's swap. I, I, I think I need you to, Rosetta, I need you to come and sit here. Can, can you? Okay, I'm going to stand here and preach. I'll look this, that, this way and preach. Is that okay? Sometimes you're fierce. I'm afraid that when I fall, people will laugh. Jesus! If it is you, command me to come. And Jesus said, it is me. Come. Take a step on the water. Take another step. Take another step. Take another step. The others had the same command. It is I, come. The 11, what did they do? They stayed in the boat. Because... This is not everything that you do. I know he is Jesus Christ, but it's not every command you obey. Because this Jesus, sometimes you see, look at what happened to Peter. As he saw the wind and he was drowning, you see? Too known. (laughs) Hallelujah. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we allow fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. We allow fear to incapacitate us. Ask yourself, what is the worst that can happen? If you take a step, what is the worst that can happen? Can I interview some people? If you take that step, you know the step you are believing God for, what is the worst that can happen? You fail. 
And if you fail. Sister, if that step, you know the step. If you you take it, what are you afraid that can happen? You won't make what you want. And if you don't make what you want, what's going to happen? That thing. If you take the step, what's the worst that can happen? You fail. And if you fail, would you be the would you be the first person who has ever failed? Would you be the first person who's lost money? Would you be the first one that will be laughed at? What's the worst? I mean, tell me what's the absolute worst that can happen. That's the secret to over confronting and overcoming your, your fear. Ask yourself, what is the worst that can happen? In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Peter got, uh, Paul got to that place. And he said that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live, I live for Christ. If I die, I'm going to heaven. So what's the worst that can happen? Let's go. I'm going. I am going to see this Roman emperor and tell him my peace of mind. They can kill me. But if they kill me, I've made it. If they don't kill me, I'll continue preaching. Next one. Quickly, we have a lot to do, isn't it? Your failures. Okay, number six. Your frustrations. How many have been frustrated about some things? I said to you last Sunday that your passion is what drives your frustration. Because you are passionate about something, is that thing that will make you frustrate you. Because you are passionate about it. Are you with me? But instead of allowing frustration is the negative side of passion. Turn your frustration into passion. Do you understand? Because it's the same emotion you are using. The same emotion. So rather than use the emotion, you know, when you are angry, extremely angry and you are shaking, it's the same emotion as when you're extremely excited. The same emotion. This side and that side, they are the same. So why don't you turn this way? Instead of allowing, because frustration will weaken you. Frustration will make you miss your vision. We saw last week how the great Elijah allowed frustration to terminate his assignment. Hallelujah. I pray that it won't happen to any of us in this room. That we will not allow frustration to terminate our assignment. Turn it into a passion. Because I have every inventor used their frustration to become their passion to invent whatever they invented. Because any invention takes a long time to perfect. And it's a very frustrating type of process. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But the more you do it, it becomes a passion. The frustration becomes a passion and it leads to victory. Number seven. Your fatigue. Tiredness. Tiredness. How many have been tired? Fatigue is not just Tiredness. Fatigue is emotional tiredness. 
When you're emotionally drained. When your mind gets, it's like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You become numb. It, 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 it wears you down. And I said last week that the best way around fatigue is learn to take breaks when you need to take breaks. Learn to distress. Learn to shut the door. Put everything off. Some of us, we can't live without social media. And the social media is a source of your frustration. Because your friends are always criticizing you and trolling you and writing negative things about you. How many know what I'm talking about? Or they are putting their nice things there because you have your boyfriend just left you. And you are sad. And... I wish I had a mute button to mute it. <laughs> Your boyfriend left you. And you are sad. And you are watching. Then you see somebody with a new boyfriend. And they, are, they, are, they, they go to a nice restaurant and then they put the food that they are eating with one hand and hand holding each other. And, and you can't sleep. Why are you stressing yourself? Switch it off. Switch your social media off. I said switch it off. If it's not Facebook, it's Instagram. If it's not Instagram, it's Twitter. If it's not Twitter, it's Snapchat. If it's not Snapchat, it's TikTok. If it's not TikTok, it's watermelon. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, I said, whatever it is, switch it off. (laughs) Delete and distress. Go on a holiday by yourself. I said, take yourself to a place and say, self, I have brought you here to give you a treat. You are going to get a massage. You are going to get an aromatic massage. You go for a spa by yourself. It's a spa date. Say, I am on a date. With who? I am with myself and I. Do you mind? Hallelujah. Book yourself to a posh restaurant. By yourself. Dress up. Put on your makeup. Get your nicest shoe and bag and take yourself out. And when you get there, sit down and ask the waiter, what is the house special? Can I have the house special? And when you finish, you check yourself into a five-star hotel. She said it, I didn't say it. By the time you finish, you forget about that foolish boy. Number seven. Number eight. (laughs) Or the girl. Okay. Whatever. Procrastination. Procrastination. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. 
I'll do it next week. Oh, as for 2022, it's my year. <laughs> I will start 2022. I will really get myself in gear. I am going for my workouts. Let me eat my cheesecake first. I'll go and start next week. This one I'm talking, I know I'm, I mean, I'm preaching. This one I know I'm, I am preaching. <laughs> In Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4, the Bible says, He that observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the cloud will not reap. Hallelujah. The lazy man says that there's a lion in the street. If I go, the lion will get me. Don't you know that there is COVID outside? You want me to start my business when there's COVID? Wait for the COVID to pass. Who, tell you, who tells you that the COVID is going to pass tomorrow? Start. Behold, today is a good day. It's a good day to start. Whatever vision, start today. You came here and God brought me here to tell you that today is the best day to start. That thing that you have been talking about all this time. Today is a good day. Don't look at the wind. Don't look at the cloud. Start today. Did you hear what I said? I said start today. And you will see it working. Hallelujah. You will see it working. God is with you. I said God is with you. And with God you are more than a conqueror. I say, with God, you are more than a conqueror. And you will succeed. Just start. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate anymore. Say to yourself that I am going. Don't allow the lion in the, in the street to get you. The lazy man says, there's a lion in the street. I wonder what type of lion. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number nine, negativity. Negativity. Do you know that there are some of us who are negative by nature? How many know somebody like that? It's not you, but you know somebody. Negative. Anytime they see the glass half empty. That's one of the greatest thieves of vision. See, all the others we've talked about, they are outside you. Your family is outside, your boss is outside. You know, even frustration sometimes is like, it's, it's not. But negative is inside you. It is not something you can, it's not a demon you can cast out. Because it is you. That demon is you. You can't cast yourself out. So that demon will always be with you. Negativity. I don't think I can. Have you tried it? No. So how do you know you can't do it? I don't think I can. Even people better than me haven't been able to do so. No. I, no. And I see this especially with young people. I see especially the youngsters of this, this life, this age. You know, this type of pre-teens and teenagers. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
I said, ah, have you tried it? No, I can't do it. Who told you you can't do it? I can't do it. It's like, why? See, social media and media in general has presented excellence in a certain way to this generation. The pictures are airbrushed. People are looking very perfect. They put only the perfect pictures from the perfect angle inside all the time. So it's like people live thinking that until I become that standard, I don't measure. So to, to, to not be, be to fall short, I won't even start at all. My generation, there was no social media. There was nothing. So you also do your best. I mean, you take a picture, you see somebody taking a picture holding a leaf like this. I always ask myself, why do people have to squat when they are taking a picture? Have you asked yourself? Then they put their hand on them. Or they'll go, they'll go and hide behind some bushes, some bushes, then they'll do, they'll hold one like this. And you have the hard one. So you decide who can see. So <laughs> it's not everybody who sees. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not not. You have an album when it's only the people come, who you open. I said, who is this? Oh, when did you take this? Oh, last when I went to that place, I took. Oh, it's a nice picture. Yeah. But this age, the people who go and you see sometimes. The other day, I saw somebody doing it. I won't mention their names. The food they took a picture of was not the food they were eating. <laughs> and they put it on their thing. Somebody else's food. <laughs> then after that, they took a picture. <laughs> to say that the food and the place is, is me. <laughs> Oh, how, how many know somebody who knows somebody who has done that? Not you, but you all know. So why are you pretending that? Are you, hey, God is here. Don't lie. <laughs> so that type of excellence has made us become negative. We'll not even take the attempt because we don't think you can... I won't play the keyboard because I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. But if you don't make a mistake, how would you learn? I don't want to embarrass myself. Oh, you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of five people. How would you learn? That negative mindset, that thing, it, 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 it's like a prison. That hosts you and prevents you from taking a step. See, the greatest prison you can ever be in is the prison of your mind. Your own mind. Not somebody else's mind. And I heard the Bible say in 2 a, a Corinthians 4.10, 
the weapons of our warfare, uh, 10 for I think, the weapons of our warfare are not canal, but they are mighty to the pulling down, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And, and every argument, and bring every argument under the subjection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because the stronghold is in your mind. The thing that holds you strong is in your mind. That's why it's called a stronghold. Are you with me? It holds you strong and it's something that you have to overcome and bring it under the subjection of Jesus Christ. Else you will never see your vision come to pass. Am I talking to somebody? Negativity. Number 10. Self-doubt. Negativity produces self-doubt. Hallelujah. How many don't believe yourself at all? Somebody is praying that if I could do half as much as you could do, I would be so happy. But then you are like, oh, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. See, one of the greatest gifts that successful people have is self-belief. Even when they don't have a lot of things to give. See, most of the time, when you go for a job interview, if they, are going to, they have about 15 people they are interviewing, or 5, 10 people they are interviewing, all of you qualify. All of you, all 10 of you can do the job well. Now, the employer is looking for somebody who believes in their gifts and talents they have. And somebody who can fit into this atmosphere. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as soon as you go with this self-doubt, even though you are competent, you are removed. It's like, and they ask questions like, so what, uh, how much are you expecting to be paid? Oh, anything you give me is so nothing. <laughs> How many have said that before in an interview? I can tell you that's why you didn't get that job. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by anything you give me? See, you must learn how to market yourself. Everybody will only believe what you believe about yourself. So if you believe I am pretty, we also believe you are pretty. If you believe that you are ugly, guess what? You are ugly. <laughs> if you believe that I am nice, I'm, I'm a catchy dude. If you believe it, we all believe it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not saying that be proud. But get a little bit of self-awareness. Yeah, that you, you can do something. Yeah. So learn how to sell yourself. You go to the job, sell yourself. I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. I know I am very good at this. I know I'm very good at even the things that I'm not good at. I am better than the average person. 
Are you understanding what I'm saying? You sell yourself. Learn to sell yourself. Everybody will pay somebody who has sold themselves. The value, the valuation of you starts from you. It doesn't start from us. Am I making sense? I have a friend. His voice is worse than mine. But he believes he's Michael Jackson. He believes he can really sing. He really believes he can sing. And he has all the, you know. <laughs> Give me the key. Give me the key. <laughs> and then it's like when the way he will carry himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too late. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Hallelujah. And it makes you sometimes it will make you buy into what he's singing. Because you know that voice is subjective. Beauty is subjective. And most things are subjective. What you think is nice? Somebody that art. Look at what is what is this? <laughs> but somebody said this is real art. Call chickens to walk around the canvas. They put their, they put their feet in uh, what do you call it in paint and then make them walk around. And they say, oh, wow, this is creative art. This is beautiful. So this is abstract art. It's like when you stand here, you see something different. When you stand here, you see, no, 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 I see nonsense. <laughs> Hallelujah. But everything is subjective. Have you not seen somebody who says, that, ah, my wife is a catch? And then you see the person says, ah. <laughs> so, I remember a friend of mine brought the girl say, the chick is fine or he no fine. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> Hallelujah. Number, number 11, quickly, quickly, let's go on. I don't know why Joel is laughing. Oh. Why? Some people are risk averse. Don't want to take a risk. Don't want to know. Risk averse. Everything has to be what will be safe. What will be safe. Do you know that everything that brings success in life is a risk? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says that for without faith it's impossible to please God. For everyone that comes to God must know that he is. You can't see him, but you must know. Everything to do with God starts with faith. And faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, we know that the whole world was created by the things that cannot be seen. So that everything that is was created by the things that could not be seen. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So learn how to take a step of faith. 
Don't be what if. Don't run away from a challenge. These guys, Israel, they said, we can't go. When we went to spy the land, we saw the sons of Anak, the giants in the land. We saw the Amalekites. We saw the Hivites. We saw the Perizzites. We saw the Gigashites and all the other ites. They were there. And we looked like grasshoppers in their, in their sight. And so did they see us. So let us make for ourselves captains to take us back to Egypt. We don't want problems. We don't want to confront. We don't want to fight. But I read somewhere in the Bible, the, the God saying that, and he prepares a table before me in the presence of my in the presence of my yeah. so if you are afraid of taking risk then you can't eat the table that God has prepared or you don't understand what I'm saying because his table is where in front of your enemies so learn how to eat take your fork take your knife and cut and put the fork inside the steak and take some sauces and brush it on the steak. When your enemies are looking at you like this and then put it in your mouth and close your eyes as you chew on it and you put your fork back in there again and you cut. Lift your head and look at them whilst you are eating. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Let me finish. The last one is hurts and offenses. Hurts and offenses. There's an unfortunate scripture I want to read. Very, very sad story. But I'll read it anyway. Matthew 11. Now it came to pass, verse 1, when Jesus had finished commanding his, his uh, 12 disciples that he had, depart and had departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had, had heard in prison about the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples and, he, and said to him, Are you the one coming are you the coming one or should we look for another? And Jesus said, go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have, their, have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Hallelujah. John was the one who was preaching about Jesus' coming. See that, behold, the Savior of the world, the kingdom of God is at hand. God is sending the Savior of the world and I am the one that I'm not worthy to tie his shoelaces. He's coming. When he comes, he will teach you all things, all truth. And then John and Jesus comes. 
John is still preaching. Jesus comes. Jesus is baptized. He said, no, no, uh, you can't let me baptize you. You have to baptize me because I'm not, you know, Jesus said, let's fulfill all righteousness. And that happens. Now, John is in prison. And he is expecting the Savior to come and save him. And the Savior doesn't come. Instead, he hears that he's doing miracles and signs and wonders outside. So he sends his servants. Go and ask him, is he the one? Ah, John's whole vision and mission on, on earth was to announce Jesus. Just offense. He's hurt that he's in prison and Jesus didn't come. So he decides that let's abort the mission. Let's go and look for somebody else and call him the Christ. So Jesus says that, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Because if you're offended in me, you abort your mission. Your vision will be aborted just because of offense. Just because you are hurt. Listen, life is such that you'll be offended. And you also offend. Don't allow one offense to cut short everything. There are some people who have walked out of marriages. That was their destiny. Their destiny. That was what would bring them all the riches, wealth, and honor and glory. They, they, they left it because of one little offense. So people have left companies that would have given the best, their best secret to success because they were offended. Some people have left the church because they were offended. Meanwhile, this place was where God had deposited your blessing. You allow one little offense to eject you. I pray that you won't be the one. Oh, I say, I pray that you won't be the one. Remember, the thief comes but for to steal. He comes not because of what, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's trying to steal your vision by offending you. Sometimes somebody will do something and you ask yourself, why did he do that? Ah, ah, I expected better from him. And he becomes so offended. And the person doesn't even know that they have offended you. And you take off like a bullet. Just because of one offense. And you abort every vision. Hallelujah. It's the saddest thing that I've seen happen. People just leave their place of blessing because of one small offense.